0: There are moments, and uh, in football or rugby or anything like that, I haven't had many of these moments, being that I generally play a defensive position or even in goal, but there's moments when you just feel you've been handed a kind of an open goal on a plate, and you've got a four-yard tap-in or something like that, and the goal is at your mercy. It feels a bit like that this morning, <laughs> standing up here. Uh, I think When I played football at school, I scored one goal and it was because I hoofed the ball from... I was playing centre-back and I hoofed the ball from about 40 yards out, straight up in the air. The opposition goalkeeper wasn't very good. And it looped into the into the net. But just that sense of feeling, look, the goal is at your mercy. There is something God wants to do today. We've already heard it. We've already seen it. God's been speaking to us already. And I hope and I pray that this is just going to spur us on all the more. I hope I can take the open goal. You want to turn to Mark chapter 16. We'll read from verse 14 to 20. Stan said, we've come right to the end of our time in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on people who are ill, and they will get well. And after Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. As I was saying, I feel like almost everything that's been coming this morning kind of sets us up to hear these words. But almost the kind of time that we're in, I feel that God is so clearly wanting to say this to us now. As we stand as a church on the brink, not only of connect groups, but of going into this time of doing connect groups together, of people seeking to reach out and let's see new people come in, let's reach out and make friends with people, let's go out into the city around us. But also, again, uh, if you were at Family Night, Dan was reminding us uh, of the words we've had before. And again, we're reminded of this week of about it being a time of strengthening stakes and then of lengthening of cords, of reaching out, of seeing, let's see people come to know Jesus. Make room for what God is about to do. We see we've come right To the end of Mark's gospel. Mark starts in chapter 1 verse 1. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus. And here we see it ends. With Jesus sending his people out. Sending his disciples out. Go and tell about all of this. As Dan mentioned last week. These verses are precursored by a note. These verses aren't in perhaps the oldest manuscripts. But as Dan explained last time, these verses still provide us with a wonderful summary of what we do read in the other Gospels. They still provide us with a wonderful sense of, look, this is what Jesus did during those 40 days after the resurrection, before he ascended into glory. And so we'll look at them, we will look at the other the other parallel passages. And particularly we'll look at Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And we'll look at some of the things Luke has to say as well, both in Luke 24 and in Acts chapter 1. As we look and see, as Jesus gives his disciples this command, go into all the world and preach the good news. Firstly and foremostly, Jesus commissions, him, commissions them. Jesus sends his disciples. It's obvious that's the sense of it. Go into all the world. What do we see? Go and preach the good news to all creation. In Matthew chapter 28, let's look at those verses now. Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And as Luke records, he says, look, this message is going to be proclaimed to all nations. And you are my witnesses. That's in Luke chapter 24. What we see first and foremost is Jesus lifting their eyes. This goes way beyond you. You're being sent out. Jesus saying, look, I've been with you, I've been teaching you, now you go. It goes beyond them, it goes far beyond just this little group of disciples who Jesus appears to. It looks out and as we see what happens next, if we skip forward a little bit into Acts chapter 2. What do we see Peter saying on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39? Well, let's start in verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for all your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You see, Jesus, first and foremost, he's sending his disciples, he's lifting their eyes to see, this is so much bigger. This is so much bigger. There are people everywhere to be drawn in. And as we sit here in Sheffield, this goes beyond me and my salvation. This goes beyond you. It goes beyond us and perhaps our cozy church family. It goes Far beyond. And anyway, it's not ours, it's his. As he says to Peter earlier on, yes, Peter. And you are you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what do we see? It goes far beyond. And Jesus says Right, it's time to go. He commissions them, He commands them, He sends them. But also, as we see in these first words and then in, in the last words of the passage, verse 19, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, He was taken up into heaven and He sat at the right hand of God. And the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by the signs that accompanied it. Jesus' commission to the disciples is in light of him being about to go, of him being about to ascend into heaven. You go, I'm going to go. We see this truth here we see it in the end of Luke. We see it in the beginning of Acts. Jesus ascending into heaven. And the book of Hebrews that we've looked at previously and we are returning to very soon. We see throughout that book, throughout that letter, the writer pulling out this wonderful truth. Jesus is enthroned in the heavens. He has ascended into glory and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. We just pick out one of those places right at the beginning of Hebrews. Hebrews. In Hebrews 1 verse 3, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus is giving them a command in the light. He's about to be enthroned in glory. He's going to sit down at the right hand of the father. The risen king, seated in glory. And just at this moment, the disciples could think, well, actually, Jesus, you tell everybody. You're the risen king. Go and tell everyone about it. Look, go and show them you. Look, surely that's the way. We get these wonderful, humbling words. No, I'm sending you. You will be my witnesses. If we think about that for a moment, wow. God does, he commissions and sends his disciples, but look, he's inviting them in. He invites us in to his kingdom purposes. We're commanded to go, but look, we get to go. We're invited in to to what Jesus has started here. Jesus has finished, he's done the work, but he says, look, you get to go. You're invited in. To this wonderful, great commission. I think the wonder of this summary at the end of Mark's gospel is we see more clearly here than anywhere. Look at the, those who Jesus called. This is for everyone. This is not for those, just for those who've got it sorted. This is not just for a particular age group. This is not just for a particular group. Look at these guys. Look at the verses that Dan looked at last week. And we'll summarize them even further than Mark does. Jesus appeared to Mary. She went and told them. And they didn't believe him. Believe her. Afterwards, Jesus appears to these two guys on the road. And they go and tell them. And they didn't believe them. Later, Jesus appears to the eleven he has to rebuke them because they didn't believe them. Then the very next words, go into all the worlds. He's not waiting for them to be sorted. He's not waiting. He's not chosen this group of incredible, gifted people who have just got everything right. No, look. Look and be encouraged. Look at these disciples. Straight away. They didn't believe. They didn't believe. They didn't believe. Oh, Jesus. Right, Off you go. Go into all the worlds. And as we've already been encouraged today, perhaps you feel like a brown banana on the side. But look at these guys. Look at these guys and be encouraged. Hear the words that Susie brought earlier and be encouraged. Hear what Sarah was saying on the back of that and be encouraged. Look, God wants to use us. He's sending us. He's sent us. Just as he sent all the eleven and perhaps the others who were with them. And later we see through the book of Acts him sending Paul and Barnabas and Silas. And then so many others who perhaps aren't even named or just we see at a glimpse. Sent out. Called to be my witnesses. first sent. We are all sent. We can so easily discount ourselves. Now, that's for those who are full-time for the church. I'm not really much of a public speaker. No, I'm too young, maybe in a few years. Jesus calls us and says, go, go and preach the gospel to all the nations. It says elsewhere, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that we profess. It's not necessarily about massive public speaking. It's not all about standing up and preaching a gospel, but go in the power of the Spirit. I've jumped on. Jesus sends them. Jesus invites them as he is leaving. But is he just leaving them to it? Is it not right? You guys, off you go. I'm leaving. No. Wonderful words in verse 19. They're kind of curious statements. Verse 19 and 20. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Well, Jesus is gone and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But no, he's working with them. He's working in them and through them. Why? Because he's in them by his Holy Spirit. Jesus isn't leaving to leave them on their own. As Matthew puts it in verse 20, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But more specifically, Luke tells us, Luke 24, verse 45 to 49. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. In Luke, we see Jesus tells them to go, but first wait. Wait for the Spirit. Wait till you are clothed with power, and then go in the power of the Spirit. If you've got time later to read through the wonderful chapters in John of Jesus talking to his disciples at the Last Supper, then I encourage you to do so. But we see there Jesus preparing them for him going, and this wonderful sense, actually, look, me going is for your good. Particularly John 16, verse 7, will just draw our attention to. John chapter 16, and verse 7, in the middle of this, that Jesus is uh, talking to his disciples. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove, he will... Prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Look, I'm going, but that is for your good. Because the Spirit's going to come. The Spirit's going to come and you will go in his power. Therefore, Jesus ascends. He sits down enthroned, crowned with glory and honor. And yet he is working in his disciples. He's working in us and through us as we go into all the world. The wonderful truth, firstly, in these passages, we are sent out, invited in and sent out to the world. But we don't go on our own. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. As Paul tells us, go on being filled. As we see Jesus telling that story, which of you fathers, if, you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a snake? How much more so will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Today, you can be filled again. Let's keep going on being filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we are sent out, we go in his power. So we're to go. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. That's what he's saying to us, that we go with purpose. We see in these verses and we see in the other passages, Jesus sends them on a mission and he sends them with a message. Here we see it very plainly. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. What's the message? Preach the gospel. Luke has more in those verses we just read. Luke 24. We've been singing this wonderful truth this morning. We've been hearing it. We've been delighting in it. The wondrous truth of the gospel. But Luke 24 again. Verse 46. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer And rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. What's the message? It's the wonderful truth. The wonderful truth of the good news that Jesus came. We were lost in sin, and yet Jesus came. He suffered on the cross, and yet on the third day he rose again. Gloriously, that that by his death and his resurrection, we can be set free from the power of sin. What a message we have. What a wonderful truth we have. And therefore, as Luke tells us, message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. Jesus has given us a wonderful message, a message of hope and of good news. As he summarizes it in John three sixteen, talking to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That what? That whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. We got a wonderful message to take. We're sent out, but we're sent out with a message. Preach the good news. And if we can separate it, the message and then the mission, the mission is to preach the good news. But Matthew talks more in terms of a mission than a message, if you like. Luke describes the message, preach this. Matthew in Matthew 28 tells us this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. I've got a message to take. But the mission that accompanies that is to make disciples. To make disciples. To see people coming to believe and understand and know that truth for themselves. To see them saved and added in. To see them growing in knowledge of Jesus. To see them taught to obey everything that he's commanded. This is the mission. To see people saved and added. The call to go lifts our eyes to see this incredible mission. To see the world that needs him. To see the disciples that are yet to be made. To see all the people who have yet to hear the message. To hear this wonderful message. You see, we're commissioned to go. To go and see this happen. To see disciples made. To see people saved. To see people believe and be baptized. Mark 16 verse 16. Perhaps the wording seems unhelpful to us as we hear it. Whoever believes and and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. It can push us unhelpfully, if we like, if we don't read it right, to this question, well, to this legalistic thinking of, well, do I need to be baptized? What do I need to do? It can drive us to a sense of feeling pressured, I must tick the box, I believed, yes, I've been baptized, yes, right now I'm okay. Or actually, on the flip side, can push us to justify ourselves no, I don't need to be baptised. For whatever reason, I was, I was baptised as a baby, or well, it's not, it's not needed. So I'd rather not. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm not really very good at being up in front of everyone and, and doing this. Really, the command is to believe, isn't it? Yeah, actually, what we see here and throughout the New Testament is the wonderful truth of the wonderful sense of baptism being so intrinsically linked to repenting and believing. This wonderful outward sign of what has gone on inside. So all through the New Testament, we see this wonderful sense. Believe and be baptized. Come, believe in him and be baptized. Come, show everyone this is what has happened to you. This is what has gone on in your heart. We see it throughout Acts. As Peter preaches at Pentecost in Acts 2.38, he's explained, look... These men aren't drunk as all the disciples pour out onto the street, speaking in different tongues and dancing about. No, this is what Joel said. Joel said the Spirit's going to be poured out. And this is the truth. Jesus has died. Jesus has been risen from the dead. And then they say, well, what must we do to be saved? In Acts 2, verse 38, Peter gives the answer. Acts 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see the pattern going on throughout Acts. We see Philip, when he goes to Samaria, he preaches to them. And in Acts 8, verse 12, we see they believed. And when they believed, they were baptized. Paul with the jailer in Philippi, in Acts chapter 16... Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. We see it here. The jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then later in verse 33, At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. In the wording there, we don't even see Paul say anything about baptism, and yet intrinsically they believed. So of course they were baptized and come through. I would encourage us today, rather than asking the question, perhaps perhaps you've just come to know Jesus and you you believe in him, and then you're querying and wondering well, what's this baptism about? Well, in rather than asking the question, Do I need to be baptized? Ask the question with the Ethiopian eunuch. As Philip has preached to him, here's water, what can stop me? Here's water, why can't I be baptized too? As Peter's talking to the Cornelius and these Gentiles who believe, look, they've been filled with this, but how can we stop them being baptized? We see this is the pattern of the New Testament. Believe and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And I would encourage you today, children, if you know jesus has saved you if you know jesus has forgiven you you've repented you've forgiven him why don't you think about it you can say with the uh, you can ask us like the ethiopian what can stop me being baptized what can stop me being baptized as well if that's where you are at young people maybe you've been you've been coming along you've been saved you you know jesus has done something You've been saved and yet you've held off and you've thought, Well, I'm not sure about baptism yet, I'm not sure about it. I encourage you. Come. And perhaps there are others here. There are others here, maybe maybe recently saved, there are others, maybe you've been saved for a long time. Perhaps you were baptised as a baby, christened or whatever. I would encourage you. Let us share in the joy of this public declaration of baptism. Let us share in it. Come and be baptized. Anyway, that was a bit of an aside. <laughs> we're sent to go. We're sent with purpose, with a message and a mission. And wonderfully, we're sent in expectation. We've seen this wonderful sentence for everyone. We're all called to go. We're all the brown bananas and all. Everyone, with a message and a mission to the world, let's see the gospel proclaimed. But we go in expectation. Mark, in this summary, we see these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And then when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. We see some signs that will accompany the work of God as the gospel is proclaimed. We see great encouragement. We can look at Luke 24 as we did and he said, look, God's saying, wait. Jesus is saying, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Then you will go out in power. You will go out in power. As we go into all the world, into every workplace, every neighborhood, every connect group, every school classroom, every supermarket, and so on, and so on, and so on. Are we expecting that God will be at work by the power of His Spirit? We go in expectation. Expectation for salvation, yes. Wonderfully. Look, those who believe will be saved. There's an, there's an expectation that there, there are going to be people who believe. We know. We are, we are all, we here who believe. We're all those who can testify to that. A testament to it. Look, expectation there are going to be those who believe. But also that God will accompany his message going out. With signs and wonders. That the Holy Spirit will be at work. Yes, in speaking to hearts. But yes, in bringing wonderful signs of the kingdom of God at work. The disciples have already seen some of this. Both as Jesus has worked amongst them. But as they were sent out, as the 72. Jesus sends them out to heal the sick. And to preach the good news of the kingdom. And they return rejoicing. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They've seen some of it. They've seen some of it. And so here in Mark, we see some of the same things. We'll see people healed. We'll see people delivered and set free from the demonic. We'll see people speaking in tongues. We'll hear people speaking in tongues. Snakes and poison is an interesting one. We see perhaps a hint at something of that in Luke chapter 10 as Jesus comes as, as Jesus speaks to them. In verse 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Maybe. We see something in Acts 28. Paul, he's bitten by a snake. Everyone expects he's going to die. But God protects him. God protects him. Now we can see verses like this. And there are people who will take that verse on its own and go and make a massive thing of it and get completely sidetracked. There was a guy called uh, George Hensley, I think, in the United States who decided this is what we're supposed to do. We need snakes in all our meetings and we need to pick them up and see if they're going to bite us or whatever it's going to be. That's not what Jesus is telling us to do. What's the command here? Go into all the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But that's accompanied by an expectancy that God is going to be at work. By His Spirit. Through Acts we see it. People healed, people set free. Acts 5, 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. In Acts 8, verse 6 and 7, when the crowds heard Philip, this is in Samaria, and saw the signs he performs they all paid close attention to what he said. We see the message going out and signs and wonders accompanying it. And what were they for? With shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And also we can look and see throughout the New Testament, people filled with the Spirit. People speaking in tongues, prophesying, all sorts of outworkings of the Spirit of God, working in people. God pours out his Spirit on people. As 1 Corinthians 12 shows us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking about the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. God pours his spirit out on his people. We see it in Mark, we're to expect To see the Spirit at work. We see as Paul talks in 1 Corinthians. Look, the Spirit has been poured out on you. There will be gifts at work among you. So can we expect to see these things? Yes. These signs will accompany those who believe. Can we see healing? Yes. Even as Terry was testifying this morning. Look, it's changed. This PSA level was rising. Now it's fallen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God is at work. Can we see people set free? Can we see demons driven out of people? Yes. Can we see people speaking in other tongues as well as the other gifts of the Spirit as he manifests amongst us? Yes. Can we see people saved and added to us? Yes. Because the Holy Spirit is at work amongst us. And so as we meet on a Sunday, yes, we expect to see God at work by his Spirit. Speaking as we have seen uh, already this morning. But wonderfully, look at the context here. As we go. The context here is of going with the message. Go and preach the gospel to all nations. Go and preach the gospel to all creations. Go out into all the worlds. And these signs will accompany those who believe. That's the focus here. We're called to go. To go into all the world. Acts 1 verse 8 gives us a clear, gives us a kind of, it's almost step by step in Acts 1 verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem close at hand, in all Judea, a bit wider, in Samaria, the neighboring country, and to all the ends of the earth. We're called to go. That might mean we stay right here, but we're called to go. It might mean that you end up on the other side of the world, but we're called to go and take the message of the gospel and of the kingdom into all the worlds. So let's go. Let's take this message. Let's go on this mission and let's expect that God is going to move in power. God is going to move in power. Because he has a glorious message of hope for the world. And ultimately, he has won. Let's pray now. Let's pray. Father God, we see the wonderful truth of your word, that you came, you died. I started this prayer, Father God, didn't I? And I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus, you came. Jesus, you came. Father, you sent your son to come as a man, to come and die, to pay the price, to rise again, to ascend and be seated in glory, to send your spirit and send us out, to invite us to join in your glorious kingdom purposes and plan to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, would you encourage us this morning, even right now, that we are all caught up in that. As we believe in your name, as we are saved and added into your family, we're caught up in this commission, this wonderful mission to go and make disciples of all nations, not just a select few, not just people who will stand on a platform, but we're all called to go and see God, see you work in power. Bringing salvation, bringing signs and wonders, bringing people into the kingdom. Lord, I pray right now that you would speak into our hearts. Lord, that we would throw off everything that hinders us. Lord, that we would see this wonderful invitation. Yes, we're commissioned, we're commanded, we're sent. But Lord, look, you call us in how how is it possible that i get to go and be your witness lords <laughs> lord let us be amazed again at that truth let us be encouraged again as we set out on uh, as a church to to reach out through connect groups and in other ways lord we're all part of this you've called us all into this whatever role we have to play whatever 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 part we're going to play in this and whatever we're going to see, Lord, may we be rejoicing together as we see your gospel proclaimed and as we see you turn up in power. Lord, we may only hear the story, but we'll rejoice together. Lord, we may be there on the front line in that particular situation and we will rejoice. But Lord, thank you that you call us to go. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Amen. Let's stand and worship, and we're going to respond some more.